Our scripture reading this morning is from the, um, the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. I'll read the prayer for illumination first. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your worship, words are proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, and no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after growing old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is the flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said this to you. You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, You, are you a teacher of the Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I say, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about the earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe it if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven except, uh, except one who descended from heaven in the, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the servant, serpent in the wilderness, so, such, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whatever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who have not believed are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the, on the only Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come into the light 
so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come into the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Howdy. Um, let's see. Uh, can I run down a few questions? Um, yes, sabbatical is great. Um, yes, I was surprised to come back to a global pandemic. Yes, Amy's doing wonderfully. Yes, oh my gosh, you gave us great meals over the course of her recovery. Um, and lastly, um, did I expect a hurricane? No. All right. I'm so glad to see you. Um, I, I always knew that I was an extrovert growing up. But if I ever had any doubt, it drove it home over the course of the last six months of not being able to see your faces. Um, so thankful uh, to be with you today. We're looking at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. And uh, over the last three weeks, if you've been tuning in, and that's actually not a metaphor, um, if you've been tuning in to our online worship, you have gotten the sense that we have been reading the Bible for all it's worth. Recognizing that sometimes we spend a lot of time reading what people say about the Bible. We spend a lot of time remembering what people have told us about the Bible. But in this series, we have been reading the Bible for ourselves. And we've been reading it for all it's worth. Which means um, not just reading it for inspirational moments. I like to call it chicken soup for the soul, Jesus style, right? Um, we've been reading the Bible for all it's worth because the Bible has something to say about our lives. It's not just window dressing, but rather it is a place for us to discern who we are and what God has called us to do. It is a compass for our purpose. And so my hope is that you have taken on the challenge over the last four weeks to read the Bible daily. A small snippet, a chapter if that, for the purpose of discerning purpose for your life. So as we continue our study today, we look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Now this is a great story, right? Um, we're only three chapters in to the Gospel of John. Gospels are about telling the story of Jesus. It goes back to the Greek word of good news, which for the people of God, good news is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, John's a little bit different from the other Gospels. He takes a different approach. There's no nativity scene. If the world only had the Gospel of John, we would not have very good Christmas drive-through um, manger scenes. John starts with philosophy because he's primarily speaking to Christians and Jews that are Greeks. And so Greeks love this idea of culture and curiosity about philosophy. And so the first chapter of John is almost like a theological, philosophical treatise about the inclusion of uh, how God created and how Jesus uh, becomes that word that becomes flesh. And chapter 2, we have a, a really good, the calling of the disciples, but we also have a really good wedding uh, miracle 
Uh, my dad used to always say that um, Jesus was first uh, a caterer because um, he changes the water into wine. And then we have Nicodemus. Now, Scripture says there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Full stop. A Pharisee. Yep, I said a Pharisee. If you've paid attention over the years, then you know that the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, that the teachers of the law are some of the ones who put Jesus to trial. And you're right. So Nicodemus plays for the other team. He comes to Jesus by night. Full stop. Maybe he had a, a full appointment calendar that day. You know, teaching Hebrew and uh, being part of red tape uh, meetings that could have been handled by an email. I mean, maybe he was really busy administratively and he shows up in the evening. But the social custom was not to visit during the evening. The social custom was choked during the day so that people could see appearances were important. Think about the different uh, cleanliness rules and laws. One would not be seen at the same table as someone who was not the same class as you were. Nicodemus comes at night because he has something to hide. He's not so sure what his colleagues would think of him showing up at Jesus's place. Nicodemus says, uh, Rabbi. Now that's interesting. That's that word for teacher. Uh, these, these days, if you call somebody a pastor, that just means they went on the internet and got a certificate. But way back in the day, pastor meant something and, and rabbi meant something as well, that you were credentialed by someone. Nicodemus is being nice here. Jesus has no credentials. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. There he goes again, using words. Who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. So signs, that's interesting. Are we talking about like American Sign Language? Are we talking about roadside signs? What signs is Nicodemus saying that Jesus did? In John's gospel, all of the miracles are referred to as signs. They are signs because they point to the divine. They point to God. So the things that Jesus does that are miraculous are not just bread and circus for the masses. They are examples of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in the divine purpose of Jesus Christ. Nicodemus gets this. Nicodemus goes on to say, do you do these signs apart from the presence of God? Jesus answers him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Let's take that born from above. Born, uh, there are two words to talk about being born. The one that Jesus is using here is one, um, uh, uh, you'll have to go with me on this one. Geneo is the Greek word. You can look it up when you get home. Um, it is uh, a word that means being sired by a father. Being raised by a male figure. Right? Jesus says, no one can, um, truly I tell you, um, no one can see these things without being sired from someone above. 
you, you kind of get that? Um, the above is interesting because, um, you know, th there are more words than you can put to Greek than more words that you can put to English. And so there are often multiple meanings of words. And the from above can also mean again. Have you ever heard the phrase be born again? What if we blur the definition there? We say either born above, from above or born again, or maybe it means both. And so uh, Jesus goes on to say, um, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Interestingly, here in the Greek, Nicodemus uses the other word for being born, which is that um, uh, being birthed out of the womb of a mother. Do you see the differences here, right? When Nicodemus goes a little bit further, uh, can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? I, I always thought that Nicodemus was just dumb, right? Like, how couldn't he get this? I mean, even I knew you couldn't climb back into your mother's womb to be born. But the difference here is in the words that are being used. Do you see when we read the Bible for all it's worth, we get more value out of it? Nicodemus is having a hard time understanding spiritual things. He is stuck in the very literal, material expectations of what it means to be born. What Jesus is saying, some of us just need to be raised by a father. Some of us just need to be formed as a believer. Some of us need to be born again or from above. The conversation goes on. Jesus answers Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Now that's interesting. You and I all think of baptism, don't we? I think Nicodemus was wondering about other things, right? Baptism was a, a, a part of life, but baptism often meant you got washed. And there was a ritual bath for Jews when they joined, when they um, became a, um, a full standing member in the synagogue, um, or if you converted. But Jesus goes on to say, what is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. Oh, the translators decided they liked from above here instead of again, probably because of context, probably because of verse 8. Jesus goes on to say, the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. They chose above so that you'd get a clue that the wind comes from where? Above. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, the word for spirit, you've heard before. In Hebrew, it's ruach. You know you're saying it right when you spit. Ruach, right? Um, the word in Greek for um, spirit is uh, closely associated with um, pneuma or wind. And so here we get another little bit of ambiguity that I think adds to the meaning as opposed to taking away from it. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. 
Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Now, now the, are you a teacher of Israel is really not a good translation from the Greek because um, what, um, what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus's role in Jerusalem was one of the chief teachers, right? This is dean of the Christian education world. This is, do I dare say, pope. It's probably an odd uh, discussion of trying to identify um, a Jewish teacher in Near Eastern uh, ancient world with um, a, a, a guy in Rome. But um, what Nicodemus teaches is considered to be doctrine. It is considered to be true. It is considered to be helpful in raising and forming people in the faith. And Jesus says, you're the teacher, and you don't know this. You see, in some ways, Jesus is extending the same kind of generosity uh, to Nicodemus that Nicodemus originally extended to Jesus in the beginning where he said, Rabbi. <laughs> yeah, Jesus is turning around and saying, you're a rabbi and you don't know this. You're the rabbi and you don't know this. Jesus goes on to say, very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Okay, what kind of teacher do you want? A teacher who read it in a book and guesses or a teacher who's been there, done that and shows you how it goes? Jesus is setting up what type of teacher he thinks the world needs. Verse 12, if I told you about earthly things and you do not believe me, how can, I, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? In this, I think there's some tongue-in-cheek when Jesus says, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven. Who's that? Jesus. Um, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now that verse 14, that's difficult, right? Who's Jesus to pull in Old Testament on us? We're just trying to read the Bible for all it's worth, and we're in the New Testament looking at a gospel. Come on now. What Jesus is doing is he's saying to Nicodemus a story that any young Hebrew child would have known. That when wandering in the desert for 40 years, when they had just left and been rescued out of Israel as slaves, that the people began to doubt God and to grumble against Moses. And God's punishment for that was that fiery serpents were released on the crowd and people died who grumbled. I won't tell you how wonderful it'd be to have that power. <laughs> and what God told Moses when Moses went to God and said, there needs to be some relief, is that God said to Moses, make a staff with a bronze serpent on it and lift it up in front of the people and all the people have to do is to lift up their eyes to that serpent and they will be saved. No words, nothing else, just rescue. And so Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, I'm that serpent. I'm the one who's been there, done that, and can tell you about it. Jesus goes on teaching, 
And this is that one uh, verse that everybody knows and is memorized. If not, just wait for the next NFL football game and you'll see it. J N three colon one six in uh, the uh, touchdown zone, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. If you are looking for a mission statement for Jesus, there it is. If you're looking for a purpose statement for all of us in participating in the divine work and the saving work of Jesus Christ, there it is. Just like the Hebrew people, when they were grumbling, they were rescued just because they lifted their eyes up and saw what God had provided. Verse 17 goes on. Jesus describes, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, you and I kind of go, oh yeah, that's right. This is the things the preacher says. Yeah, yeah, got it. It was probably in the baptismal covenant. Got it. Probably hear it often. Don't hear it regularly anymore because we hear it regularly. But this is biting stuff to Nicodemus. Nicodemus has made his whole life on the ability to keep the rules and the laws. Nicodemus is the chief one at being able to understand the rules and the laws and to keep them appropriately. And he's just been told, it's not about the rules. It's not about how perfect your attendance has been. It's not about any of that. It's not even about whether you grumbled or not. It's about believing in the one who can save you. It's got to be hard for the guy who's the teacher to understand. And then verse 19 And if you're looking at like a problem statement that Jesus' mission statement addresses, here it is. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. What a powerful passage. Um, One of the things that could be said about Nicodemus coming in the night is that John loves to talk about light and darkness. Now you might say, well, well, Nicodemus must be evil because he came in the night and because he's um, a Pharisee, because he's part of the Sanhedrin council. And I would say, no, everyone can change. This is a powerful story of Nicodemus, and we'll spend more time with it in this next series that's coming up. What do you do when people get stuck? And how do they get unstuck? Nicodemus was stuck. Anyone asking for wisdom and truth? And he got it. What do we know about Nicodemus' life? That at the end of the gospel, that as Jesus is being rushed to trial, Nicodemus is the lone voice on the council that says, give him a fair one, guys. Don't railroad this one. You see, Nicodemus might have come in the night, but he finds the dawn eventually.
And then um, when Jesus has been hung on the cross and um, uh, has died, uh, he is taken down. And where will they bury him? It's said in scripture that Nicodemus uh, donates not only spices for the body, but goes in with Joseph of Arimathea to buy the plot of land where Jesus' body would be buried. Nicodemus might have come in the night, but he found the light. Friends, when we breathe the Bible for all it's worth, something that we had memorized all of our lives becomes something more. It's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling or a a way just to kind of inspire the day, but it becomes a focus, a compass, a direction that we can derive meaning for our lives as we seek to be children of God. Uh, You know, um, I don't know about you, but like the world keeps on getting more and more interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, you start out with a global pandemic and then you end up with riots and protests. And then on top of that, a hurricane. Um, We weren't saying the word hurricane in our house because though we don't believe in karma or jinxing, Sometimes jinxing and karma might work, right? So we just don't want to tempt fate. So in a world where everything seems to be shifting, everything seems to be changing, where you're wearing face masks to church and and we're not singing as a group, the world changes. But one thing stays the same. The words of scripture aren't just good for greeting cards. They're actually good for our life. If you're looking to tune up your spiritual health, uh, maybe uh, start a new chapter in your life, the best thing you can do is to pray and read scripture every morning. Because as you engage the God of creation in conversation and in relationship These nuggets of wisdom begin to teach you that what happens in the light is good. And those who hide from the light probably are hiding for a reason. And that all that we do to get us this far, whatever we think keeps us out of heaven or gets us into heaven, doesn't stand a chance against the loving, saving grace of Jesus Christ, life, death, and resurrection for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.